like for instance, I've designed a trajectory to get us to Saturn, right? Wow. So, yeah, so there's so many ways you can get to Saturn, but um, there's so many moving pieces, I would say. And that's where a lot of the physics comes in because you're literally, you know, you're launching from a planet that's, you know, rotating, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's orbiting around the sun and it's, you know, rotating along this axis, right? So it's like you have to launch at a specific time to reach a planet, let's say, like Saturn at a specific time. So you create a trajectory to get you there so that you can get the data that you want from Saturn. And sometimes you don't orbit around a planet. Sometimes you might do a flyby and get some really quick data. And then, you you know, you, you do your flyby and you come back or you do a couple flybys. So sometimes there are planets or there are celestial bodies that you can't necessarily orbit around just because of the force fields around it so that's kind of the difference yeah welcome to the egg gap evolution podcast i'm your host mariah phillips you can call me mariah because that's my name and i'm thrilled to have you on this journey with me and all of the spectacular guests who jump on the podcast to give you more options for educating children so that children have more options for building a magnificent future the egg gap evolution podcast is a digital community where parents educators and innovators drop the details on how they are using their lives to help children explore the vastness of education beyond the textbook so that we can close America's education gap together. And just in case you didn't get the memo, producing a podcast is a whole lot of work. We're talking schedule coordination, production, the list goes on and on. So in return for bringing you this show every week, we just ask that you always find a way to share and use what you learn on the podcast to enrich children and families everywhere. Alrighty, without further ado, come along with me to meet our very next guest. Sabrina Thompson is the CEO and founder of Girl in Space Club, as well as a NASA aerospace engineer. At NASA, she designs orbits and trajectories similar to the legendary Katherine Johnson. In addition to being a CEO and astrodynamicist, she is also an atmospheric physicist. Sabrina has received numerous awards and recognition for her work, including a U.S. patent for a miniaturized astrometric alignment sensor for distributed and non-distributed guidance, navigation, and control systems. She considers herself an artsy engineer. She is passionate about innovation, space exploration, and having a positive impact on society. In 2018, Sabrina founded Launchpad, which later became Girl in Space Club and the Stimulating Art Program to engage youth, especially girls, in science, technology, engineering, and math, also known as STEM, via art and fashion. Through space-focused art, a sci-fi book series, a unique fashion line, and their signature STEM education program, Girl in Space Club is paying attention to the needs of women in space travel and inspiring the next generation of female innovators. 2022, Sabrina raised over $80,000 via crowdfunding on Kickstarter in an effort to bring to life the first women's space travel suit. 
Sabrina Thompson and her brand, Girl in Space Club, are currently developing women's flight suits as well as a prototype pressurized space suit for female astronauts to wear during training activities and en route to space. The space suit design could potentially be modified to be customized for the launch and entry requirements of companies in the private sector of aerospace. Still in the research and design phase, she aims to create something stylish, functional, and for the female form. That's a lot. (laughs) So can you break that down for us? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing the most. Like, uh, no. (laughs) Um, So when we talk about orbit design and trajectory, orbit and trajectory designs, orbit means like you're literally... Um, you know, going around a planet or some type of celestial body, so say Earth or the moon, right? You're literally kind of going around and you're you have some type of science instrument on board, whether it's a camera or some other type of instrument, and it's taking data as it goes around, let's just say the moon or Earth. Um, when you do when when I develop trajectories. It's more so for like a longer uh, duration mission. So now you're talking interplanetary where um, I usually, you know, like for instance, I've designed a trajectory to get us to Saturn, right? So, yeah, so there's so many ways you can get to Saturn, but um, there's so many moving pieces, I would say. And that's where a lot of the physics comes in. Because you're literally, you know, you're launching from a planet that's, you know, rotating, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's orbiting around the sun and it's, you know, rotating along this axis, right? So it's like you have to launch at a specific time to reach a planet, let's say, like Saturn at a specific time. So you create a trajectory to get you there so that you can get the data that you want from Saturn. And sometimes you don't orbit around a planet. Sometimes you might do a flyby and get some really quick data. And then you, you know, you you do your flyby and you come back or you do a couple flybys. So sometimes there are planets or there are celestial bodies that you can't necessarily orbit around just because of the force fields around it. So that's kind of the difference. Yeah. So um, the atmospheric physics (laughs) side you know I was doing engineering for a while and as an engineer you build things you design things but the scientists are the ones they ask the why questions you know so when you think about well why are we going to Saturn why are we going to the moon that's science and so I started to get intrigued uh, with the whole um, idea of climate change and thinking about, well, how, how can I like help us understand this, this, you know, climate change better? And so it led me to digging into those why questions. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up um, going to UMBC and uh, the goal was to come out with a PhD in, in uh, atmospheric physics. But I ended up... Um, stopping at a master's with thesis option after taking the qualifying exam which was a lot it it was and to be honest it burnt me out 
because okay. I was working full time at NASA uh, doing engineering as well. But I realized with the knowledge that I gained just through getting the master's and thesis option, I was able to work on projects at NASA where I could wear a science hat and engineering hat and be helpful for both like the science and the engineering team on some of these earth science projects. So you really made it, we made it work for you. I mean, clearly, like you said, it burned you out. And honestly, hearing about it has already burned me out. So thank you for <laughs> actually um, following through yeah. <laughs> in education. Um, but I wonder, like, you know, you said that there is, uh, I mean, it's NASA. So clearly, you know, us, um, uh, us mere mortals cannot know everything going on. <laughs> but, like when you say collect data and things like that, like why does it matter that we as human beings know what's happening in outer space? Like maybe on a basic level, like what are some of the things that we want to know? Yeah, I mean, think about weather, right? Think about weather predictions. Think about like, I mean, honestly, you would think after all these years, we would know so much about clouds, right? Like, mm -hmm. but literally there are so many things we don't know about clouds in and of itself, something we can look up in the sky and we see almost every day. So some of the science data will tell us about, you know, like cloud formation, let's say over like the oceans versus over like, you know, cities or more rural areas, mm. right? How, how, right? How are the things that we're doing below the clouds? How is that affecting cloud formation? Right. Like, why is it raining in other places more than it's raining? Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. raining. Uh, so so there's a lot of those questions that some of this science data will help us answer. And when people think about climate change and maybe things that we can do, maybe. Right. Mm -hmm. To 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 maybe mitigate like how how the earth is warming right now. Are there some things we can do? Are are, are things happening to earth that maybe maybe it's cyclical but we're so young that we don't have any data to show the cycle right right so there's so many things so many questions out there um and data does show you know like since at least um you know again this is dating back to things that i might not be um i, I haven't dived deep enough to 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 be to, to give you an intelligent um answer about this but i just know at least from the industrial revolution um as far as the warming of the planet um it has increased since that time frame gotcha so it's something we're doing right that at least yeah. something has changed on, on in terms of our activities that may have contributed um gotcha. the, the, the data shows that highly likely we have. But, you know. <laughs> we are active moving beings that are part of this universe. So we are doing something, you know, that, yes. um, that is yes. contributing. And that's one of the reasons, there's so many reasons, but one of the reasons why I love what you're doing at Girl in Space Club is, um, you know, I per let me start off by saying that when I was a little girl, I loved dolls. I loved Barbies. I loved red dolls. Don't get me wrong. But, mm -hmm. um, as girls, as women, as teenagers, a lot of times, and you know, previously in history, it's been the fact, the case that hey, you know, focus on these things, focus on learning how to make a home, focus on learning, you know, mm -hmm, <laughs> how, to, mm -hmm, how mm -hmm. to solely do hair, focus on these things, 
And we know that girls, women, females, how we identify, we also, we, we, can, we can think beyond that. We have the ability to think beyond that as well. But that wasn't always an option for us as far as the career path or as far as society supporting those sorts of dreams or desires for young girls in their lives. And, you know, where what you're doing, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and um, what's happening over there is essentially, it seems like to me, helping um, girls to get acquainted with this larger connection to the universe, you know, larger connection of themselves to these planets. And like you said, to these celestial bodies, it's more than, you know, it's rained and I need an umbrella. It's there are things going on here on earth, the actions that we take and potentially on other planets that are contributing to our experiences here on earth. Right. And so, um, what well, you talked a bit about you getting um, your education at UMBC, but I'm wondering what was your journey from like your childhood dreams? Like, did you always want to um, work with matters of space? What was that journey kind of like from, uh, and now personally, I can tell you right now, when I was a child, I did not have a desired career path, but maybe you did. <laughs> so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your childhood dreams to accepting your first role with NASA and what you're doing now. Honestly, when I was a kid, I just wanted to play. Like, I just wanted to, like, get lost in my imagination and play. Mm-hmm. And what that looked like was um, basketball. I picked up basketball when I was nine years old. Um, one of my good um, element, my, my one of my friends at elementary school, Mercedes, um, she we were born like two days apart. And so we were very alike, but she was way more like um, adventurous than I was. And okay. she didn't let, she didn't let the whole um, you're a girl thing deter her from doing anything she wanted to do. So she was like the best basketball player in, in the community as a, you know, as, a, as far as the kids were concerned at that time. And I was around her all the time. So I, I kind of was a shy kid. So I basketball what became my way of kind of expressing myself. Okay. And so I quickly became really good at it hanging out with her. And so <laughs> the two of us, you know, I remember they would call us tomboys. And at that as a kid, I'm like, I'm not a boy. Like I just like to play basketball. Right. I like basketball. Right? That's so right. <laughs> right. And I just happened to be good at it. You know? So um so basketball and in the crazy part, you mentioned Barbie dolls because I was I played with Barbies till I was about 13 years old. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> You're not yes. Like I would just get lost in my own little world, like with mm-hmm. Barbie. And, and 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 if I wasn't getting lost, you know, just kind of on the basketball court or playing Barbies, I was drawing. So my brothers, you know, they played, they had the video game console, Nintendo, Genesis, you name it. And, you know, I grew up in a house where I was the only girl in a house with all my brothers. And, um, you know, like I saw, like, you know, I'm looking up and they were my older brothers, right? Like, okay. so um, I'm looking at what they're doing and what they're, you know, seeing is fun. And so they're playing John Madden, you know, all these different games, basketball games. And so, you know, and I remember like the Mortal Kombat Street Fighter, 
And so I kind of got <laughs> right. So I kind of got into all these things, and I remember drawing my characters and kind of, you know, um, kind of making like these custom. Uh, sorry, not custom, but these um character profiles like of the different characters I would make. Like, like I would completely be in my own world, like as a kid, yeah. like put my music on. I would I would draw for hours, you know, I would forget to eat, all these things. Like I would literally just get lost in time. That's amazing. And like that is truly the magic of childhood. <laughs> we know mm-hmm. as adults, you, you know, getting lost in the magic of time could put you in a really bad situation. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> as a child, exactly. it's like, go ahead. That's awesome. Yes. Um yeah. and so what was like, did you and did that carry through high school and, you know, in your 20s or, or late teens, you decided to go the UMBC route or was it, did it happen a bit differently? So what ended up happening was um, I did play all the way through high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I remember it was um, it was an uncle through marriage. So one of my uncles, I think I was maybe. I don't know, 10th, I was in 10th or 11th grade, maybe. Okay. And he, he asked me, he said, so what do you want to do when you grow up? And really, you know, I had never thought deeply about growing up in terms of, oh, wait, maybe I do have to get a better job than working at Sports Authority. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm right. <laughs> right. Oh, uh-huh. You know, working at Sports Authority and giving uh, giving them back all all my money by buying all these pair of Jordans, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, literally, I was like, "Oh man, I didn't think about this." Well, I thought, "Well, I like to do art. I can see myself doing that all the time." So that's what I said. I said, "Well, I can see myself being a famous artist." And he's like, "Okay, that's nice, but mm-hmm. maybe you want to think of art as like." your plan b he said what about your plan a aren't you really smart like don't you do well in school and i'm like yeah but i never knew what to do with you know with the academics like i never i never uh took any um you know i was never doing any summer camp programs that challenged my intellect i was always yeah like i was just someone who loved learning yeah. And I oh I always I liked challenges because I didn't like not knowing, you know, mm-hmm. how to do something. And, and 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 that was the thing that always kind of made me pursue something as a kid. That that was what made me pursue basketball, right? It's like I don't mm-hmm. know how to do this, but they're making fun of me when I get on this basketball right. court. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be the last time they make fun of me. You know, I'm gonna <laughs> learn how to dribble this ball, right? Right. So so literally, like, um, I, I did not know what I wanted to do. And I felt like I just wanted to play. And I just, you know, I did what people, what the adults that I, you know, um, you know, like the, the, the adults that I, you know, um, admired, or at least I, I valued their opinions. I just listened. And so if they told me this was something that I should be thinking about, then I started thinking about it, mm-hmm. but I just knew I didn't want to be the type of grown up, or at least not the type of grown up. But I didn't want to pursue the career paths that a lot of the grown ups around me were doing. I just thought it was boring, mm-hmm. and I was like, "It's not for me." 
Got but you. I didn't know. Yeah, but I just didn't know what what else was out there. Got you. I think it's so cool um, what you're saying about, uh, you know, you weren't thinking about that. You were playing through high school because, and, uh, you know, I definitely admire the different um, opportunities that children have nowadays to get a taste of the real world. But I also mm -hmm. think it's so special for kids to soak up that time of being free yeah. and wandering, you know, and like taking on a challenge for a challenge's sake versus taking it on because this is what you might have to do at your job in 20 years. I feel yeah. like that can, um, like, while preparing kids for the workforce is important, definitely, in, in ways it's like, don't don't burn them out before they get there, you know? Exactly, <laughs> don't burn exactly. Them out they'll have plenty of time, you know, to have to be that organized. Um, so I think mm -hmm. the way that your childhood went and how you grew up and, you know, the gradual way that you were introduced to the idea of um, thinking about a career path is is really special and it's really cool. And thank you for sharing that um, because I think that there is so much competition out here nowadays when parents do want their kids to be successful that, you know, naturally it can be easy to kind of like jump, jump the gun a little bit um, with the trajectory a child's life is going. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that brings us into our, our next question. Like, um, and generation after generation, we know that new possibilities for what girls and women pursue as career paths advances. Look at yourself. So what would you say to the parent whose daughter wants to study space or maybe even go to outer space, but the parent doesn't really know how to help them get started or the parent may fear the unknown. So they may try and like direct the child to a, a, a more known or quote unquote secure career path. You know, this is very difficult because, you know, my story, you know, like literally I stumbled upon this career path. Mm -hmm. Right. But I do sometimes wonder, well, how far along would I have been if I was exposed to STEM and the amazing things I can do with like my left brain and my right brain? Because I am one of those people who are very artsy but then I can be very analytical you know mm -hmm. so I think if I would have learned earlier um some of the things I could do with you know these these skills um man you know so the hard part is as a parent like my mom didn't know what to do with me either but she let me explore and mm -hmm. I think that's the best thing a parent can do is just support their kid, like in the endeavors that they're at least interested in and expose them to as many things as they can um, while they're young. Right. Because if they expose them to many things while they're young, they'll, they'll at least be able to know, OK, well, I don't like that, yeah. you know, or you know, I do like that. I want some more of this, right? right? And today there are so many programs for youth, especially in the DMV area. You know, like it's insane. Like mm -hmm. I wish I had the opportunities that these kids have here in Maryland, DC and Virginia. Um, STEM camps, you know, um, and they make it so fun. You know, like a um, 
Yes, yes. Um, but even if the kids, you know, they don't know if they want to do STEM, they're not like into tech like that. You have the arts and they're today, you know, and even looking into the future, like I think it's imperative that kids today at least know how to use tech so that it's not using them in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's, um, I agree totally. Like letting your child explore, like um, as human beings, you know, I, I believe at least that we, we all know what we are curious about, if nothing else. <laughs> and um, mm -hmm. to like let your child trust themselves and to trust your child with their own curiosities is a big win, you know, and it's a big step towards um, maybe letting them explore a potential career path or interest that even you as a parent may not know much about. Um, right. And a uh, couple more questions before we wrap up, you know, representation for women of color in STEM is as follows, about 14.58% African-Americans, 0.97% uh, American Indians, 9.76% Asians, and 0.28% Hawaiian Pacific Islander women. Um, could you let us know, like, from your perspective of what you know, why are these numbers so low? And then talk to us a little bit about how Girl in Space Club is improving those numbers. Wow, I didn't know the... Um amount of Asian uh, women in STEM was so low. Wow. So, yeah. wow. In my experience, um, there are many reasons why, in general, these numbers are low. Um, and that's from the experience that I've had. So in undergrad, I went to SUNY Stony Brook. And that was um, coming from a high school in an environment which was predominantly African-American and Hispanic. Mm -hmm. um, my, my, my first exposure, I would say, to going to school uh, with people who were not of color was in college, right? And, you know, in your beginning year, maybe your freshman year, you know, they weed people out with the physics classes and the math classes. Okay. And so you 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 find that like you know I had a couple of friends who started on the engineering track with me, um, they didn't make it right. So you start weeding people out early, and a lot of times, um, you know, at least in this case, it, my friends were black girl, like black young women, and so they got weeded out. You know, we tried to study together, and they just like you know what, Sabrina, I'm done. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, OK, so now, you know, that's that that right there pulls out, you know, at least, you know, a few that I knew personally. Right. Yeah. And then now it's like, OK, you know, you're you're you know, you're you're there. It's already difficult. In engineering, I don't care what anybody tells you, it's a team sport. So okay. you a lot of times you can't do you. You're you can't build some of these huge systems of systems and things like this by yourself. With right? one green on the project. <laughs> exactly. It just doesn't make sense. So a lot of our projects were team based and you could see, you know, like um, there were many differences and a lot of just kind of being uncomfortable or feeling like, well, dad, you know, well, 
I never worked with tools before, you know, this. So I'm working mm -hmm. in the lab. You know, you have string gauges. You have like, you know, you're working with the CNC machine. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, their fathers or, or whatever, like their family members, they've been working with these this this, this type of machinery before. Yeah. Right. So, so you they're, you know, so you're like, well, I, I don't know how to do this. Is this really for me? Like, I'm not trying to be a mechanic. Right. <laughs> like, you know, right? So. I, I, so, so there are a few things that you, you know, it's like, well, do you really want to learn this? Yeah. And how bad do you want to learn it? So you're faced with that question a lot and you're going to be a minority in a sense because, um, the stereotypes that exist, you know, and mm -hmm. the environments that are, you know, that exist, Right. You're not going to a lab where the walls are pink and it's beautiful and it's aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. Right. You're not going into these type of environments. Yeah. Like it's it's like, look, like, you know, you're going to get dirty sometimes, you know, and honestly, they don't care about your feelings a lot of times. Right. This is changing a little bit, but it's it's a place where it's like, look, get the work done. Yeah. And there are again like just the environment set like like where where it, it's it's set for there you know for there to be challenges for there to be um competition and i believe a lot of times environments that women foster are more collaborative and so sure you can compete but we compete in a way where sometimes we still allow our heart and emotions to get involved right meaning yeah. You know, like, so the way we compete may not be the same way that guys compete, right? right we're not trying you know? to knock people off. It's more like, <laughs> exactly. how can we work together to make this, you know, who can, who can bring their best to the situation? <laughs> exactly. So just, I mean, that's just the college kind of like environment as well. And then taking it up a notch to grad school. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I, I thought I would quit. I was on the verge of quitting. That was another time where um, I went to grad school with the idea of pursuing a PhD. I came out with a master's. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there were many, many things I've experienced there. A lot of those isms that almost yeah. knocked me out. Um, it, and then I was far from home. So, you know, this, I, I grew up in New York. So Stony Brook was about, uh, 45 I know I minutes. heard the accent. I was, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I know she's not from here. New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up there. So like, you know, if things got too rough at Stony Brook, I'm going home. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so Georgia Tech is like, no, you're not. You know, your all your family's in New York. Yeah. So like, top it out. Find a way to get through it. Yeah. Yes, but um, if it wasn't for the Black Graduate Student Association and NSBE, mm, um, I've heard a lot about them. Yeah, National Society of Black Engineers. If it wasn't for those two groups, um, undergrad would have been difficult for me. But for sure, I'm not. I'm. I. I almost can guarantee I would not have made it through Georgia Tech. Well, I'm um, so glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes so so then uh after georgia tech you know 
NASA that that's you know it took me that was around the recession time so it was okay. very difficult to get a job um but I got a job at NASA and I will tell you you know I can't speak for all of the NASA centers but I can speak for NASA Goddard mm-hmm. um and, and for my branch that I work work um in overall um the first of all like once I once I arrived, you know, like I, I would tell you that the I was like they have a Nesby chapter, alumni chapter. I mean, my first couple of years, I was on the board there, so I was introduced to a lot of people who were doing amazing things, people of color, That's and so great. I didn't, yeah, so I didn't feel as um, alone going into this new like path like this is a new journey like this is my first real job right mm-hmm. and I wanted and I'm around people who are winning you know um Nobel prizes for you know like just things you can't even imagine wow. so everybody is is intelligent for the most part so right. you're just like, <laughs> everybody's you know, on top of the intelligence game <laughs> exactly so I did have the imposter syndrome I would say my first um, couple of years. And it wasn't until, um, you know, I started to know myself a little bit better and get comfortable with myself Mm -hmm. that I stopped trying to, you know, be the person who was just, you know, reacting to like someone who told me I couldn't do something. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do it because you, you know, that stubbornness in me, right. Uh, that, that once I got over that and it was more like, you know, I don't care what you say. Right. Um, (laughs) I know I can do this. And the question is, do I want to, you know, go above and beyond or do I want to just, you know, kind of, give you something that will answer the question, solve the problem, Mm -hmm. but it's not the best, you know, it's not the the best I can, I can go. And so, because there are other things that are more important to me or so forth. Right. Like, um, what what a sweet place to reach in life. Once you reach that point, it's like, yeah, exactly. So I will say overall, just kind of like, you know, why are the numbers so low? You go through a lot, like just from like just getting in, like just, okay, I have an interest in engineering. What does this look like to, you know, going through school and then getting a job? And when you get a Mm -hmm. job, depending on where you work, you know, you could you could be in an environment where, um, you know, diversity and inclusion is huge. And it's not just something it's not just words, you know, it's yeah. actually something. And I, and I believe, I truly believe at NASA Goddard, it's not just words. At least that that's how it has been for me. And I'm not telling that's you great. that. Yeah. But I'm not telling you, I haven't experienced any of the possible isms at work, but I'm yeah, telling you that. Be realistic. I, I, right. But I, I do have a support system. I have mentors at work. I have people I can talk to even to this day you know, that, you know, so that when I'm not comfortable, you know, I'm not by myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And there's some, some avenue, there's some path to doing something about it. Yeah. Um, So it sounds like you really did weather the storm, you know, through the educational process, you weathered the storm, 
you made sure that you had a community, you know, Nesby and all sorts of things to help you get through it. And, you know, you were able to get to the point where you're working for a branch that does have support systems, you know, where you, you're not doing it alone. Like that's the greatest thing that I'm hearing out of everything that you're saying is you're not doing it alone. And I think that's really special and important to remember um, because it's a, whether you're a woman, whether, whoever you are, if you have a dream, you have something you want to do, we're here on this planet together. And it's important to connect with people who are excited to support you. Absolutely. And as far as how Girl and Space Club is improving that, we're creating, uh, our goal is to create the environment, create the community so that uh, women do not feel like the minority, right? Like mm -hmm. in, in STEM, but also create an environment where it's not just STEM and it's not STEM in a way that we've always seen it. So we add in the fashion, we add in the art. So that literally, like, we can make things work. We can make them function. But why not also make them look good? Why okay. not also, you know, like, add in, like, the things that, you know, for the most part, girls and women know how to do, right? We know yeah. how to collaborate. And we know how to, um, again, make something function. Like, we are highly intelligent. But the way we might approach a problem might be different. And we're not mm -hmm. saying that it's all for girls and it's all about, you know, we welcome guys too. We welcome everybody, yeah. but we're just attacking, you know, uh, problem solving in a more inclusive way, you know, and, it, and, and even from the environment. So, you know, we don't have, we don't have a brick and mortar or some type of physical space where we, ha where we hold a lot of our um, programming and, 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 you know, not yet. But yeah. we want that place to be aesthetically pleasing and we care about like what the environment looks like because we know that that affects the type of work that's being done in that space. So um, we provide the inspiration, you know, from the from our women's flight suit um, that we just um, finished, you know, producing, um, which allows women to go to the bathroom Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. Without taking the whole suit off, like you literally don't have to take the whole flight suit off to go to the bathroom. And we're showing girls that, listen, if you want to be included, like we have to start solving the problems that we have. You know mm, what I mean? We sense. can't. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, we can't keep waiting for somebody else to yeah. solve these problems. So let's get together and let's start solving these problems that we have so that whether we are allowed to sit at some table or not, who cares? Like we yeah. literally can like have our own table. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so literally just, you know, just kind of providing the inspiration for that and like, you know, starting, starting to do that. And then hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll see more, more youth, more women, more girls um, and just people of color like continuing this trend of what I'm what I'm trying to start right? yeah yeah so so that's how we're trying to improve it so that people don't see it as oh stem 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 it's like no we're solving problems like that affect people today especially women so if we want to advance like put the power in our hands and let's advance ourselves kind of thing
And the fact that you, you know, when it comes to the women's space, you that you did start off with something as seemingly basic as like, okay, women can use the bathroom without taking the suit off. Because mm -hmm. when it comes to solving like generational systemic problems, it's easy to think of the big picture and like, you know, okay, let's get a rocket of 15 women going to space. And it's like, okay, well, maybe we can start with the fact that it's difficult to use the bathroom, you know, right. and... <laughs> <laughs> and get, and just like your journey and everything you've been saying, like change is gradual. It starts from that really small thing and then, you know, proliferates into something bigger. So um, yeah. for those who are listening to this, maybe you are at a school and you're a decision maker when it comes to bringing programs or you're a parent and you want to explore and bring this um, program to your child's learning community. I'm going to drop the information for Girl in Space Club in the show notes. And Sabrina, before we wrap up and before you tell folks where they can find more information about Girl in Space Club, could you just answer for me, like, what is the world taking too long to realize about the way that we educate children? How are you changing that? You've said so much already, but is there anything else that you want to share? I think, um, I think it's time for, like, paradigm shift in education. Um, I, I, I believe that, you know, kids today need to be taught more like critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's great to learn how to pass exams sort of, right. But then yeah. once these kids, you know, um, are pushed into the real world, how, how, how did, the, how did it help them that they, you know, they, 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 they got a 95 on the, uh, social studies, I don't know, regents exam, right? I know we mm -hmm. have regents exams in New York, yeah. right? Um, you know, like all that stuff, like that the kids learn, how how do they use it in real life? Yeah. And I think there needs to be more like showing them the application, right? Kids, you know, sometimes they, they, they a lot of kids I hear, they say, oh, I hate math or I hate science. And I usually say to myself, like, it 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 probably is because they don't understand the application. If mm -hmm. I tell you that when you go to the store and you see that a, a shirt that you really want is 40% off and you could do that math in your head, like literally, right? Or you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. give them practical examples of like physics. Like, well, I don't like physics. Well, do you know physics? Like it, it literally, if you understand just a little bit of physics, you don't have to be a physicist. But it helps you to understand how things move and how things walk. Like I mean, how things uh, move. Yeah. For instance, how you walk, how you run. All this stuff is physics. So when you see something that you might, you, you see every day, like now your eyes have been opened. So now you see the world totally different. Mm -hmm. um, I think this is the way we need to start teaching youth so that, you know, they have a, a love for learning. And they don't feel like it's boring, like it's school, like it's an assignment, but it becomes a way of life. Like yeah. you become a lifelong learner because you're just curious about maybe how things work or, you know, you feel more empowered because you know how to think about maybe solving problems now. And so now something that bothers you about something in your community, your society, you know, at least a girl in space club, we, we're trying to uh, equip kids you know starting in elementary school with the tools to be able to you know identify a problem 
and have an approach, you know, that they can take to solve it. Absolutely. And, you know, that is, that is the key, you know, that, <laughs> that's the key, like you said, to being able to move through life, be a lifelong learner and, be, and like embody that, feel like that is, that's for you. That's not to be looking on the sidelines, you know, watching somebody else and hoping and praying somebody else solve your problems, but to get in here, be a part of your local, global and universal community, really, and um, to be an active member. So, Sabrina, thank you so much. Um, I could think of three trillion other questions I'd like to ask you, but I know that you have a life. Um, so <laughs> for those who want to keep up with the, your work at Girl in Space Club or bring one of your programs to their education community, where can they find more information online? Yeah, so um, we can be found on Instagram or Facebook uh, at Girl in Space Club. And that's girl, right? Not plural, singular. Um Yes, exactly, exactly. And then for our educational programming, um, you can find us also on Instagram at Stimulating Art. Um, and, you know, if you go to girlinspaceclub.com website, you can find everything. Like you can just start there. You'll find our Instagram handle and also our Stimulating Art webpage. Perfect. And to make that even easier on you all, I'm also going to drop it down in the show notes. But if you want to go on the journey of searching for yourself, <laughs> at least you have the information now. So, Sabrina, thank you again. And I hope that you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. So what'd you think? How will you take what you learned today on the Ed Gap Evolution podcast to make sure that more children and families know that they have more options for building a magnificent future? If you like what you heard and want to get notified when the next episode goes live, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll notify you when the next episode is out. Don't forget to check the show notes where I share information on today's guests and yes, we do have a website. You can always pop in on us at www.eggapevolution.com. Again, I'm Mariah Phillips, and I leave you with this. Embrace the evolution, y'all.